Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Hebrews. We're ready to read Hebrews chapter 12. Now at the end of <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, the Hebrew writer is telling us that the old, you know, Hebrews chapter 11 is all about the old folks of faith from the Old Testament, you know, setting examples for us and sowing seeds of faith and committing actions of faith that would ultimately culminate into Jesus and then even beyond that ultimately culminate with all of us going to heaven the Lord returning and we go to heaven to be with him and God so he's uh, <clears throat> telling us at the end of chapter 11 that uh, these folks did not see that ultimate culmination in their lifetime because God had us in mind and he's going to bring us all into perfection and completion in him together. We'll all go to heaven together to be complete and perfect in Christ in heaven together. So that's the idea. Now Hebrews chapter 12 I am reading in the Amplified Bible and we'll start here in verse 1. Therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses and those witnesses being all these who came before who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness Stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. So I know that's a long sentence, okay? <laughs> but you can see a couple of things from this um, these verses. Uh, it's one big sentence, but it's these verses. It's two verses. It's still pretty long. First of all, you can see at least a uh, influence of Paul in that the, the Hebrew writer mentions, you know, um, running the race, which is something that Paul also mentions in different places, <clears throat> things of that nature. So, So it's obvious that they, you know, they were, that this person at least knew and was influenced by Paul, in my opinion. Just my opinion, if it's, you know, if it's not Paul, which I, uh, the way a lot of this reads, I don't really think it is Paul, but nonetheless, you can, you can have your own opinion on that. That's really not important. So, but we want to look at this. We want to try to dissect this and apply this to us, okay? So. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so many witnesses, in other words, remembering all these people who came before us who have, you know, done all this in faith and they've, they've uh, took all these actions, they 
planted all those seeds of faith that that will ultimately culminate with all of us going to heaven, but have culminated in the um, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, well, actually the life and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. So, keeping all that in mind, then we need to strip off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Now, this is actually two different things. The weight being the weight and the cares and the concerns of this world, which is, I know, can be difficult. I know, because we have things that we do need that we have to have or we have to do. There are things that we need that we require. We require. Now, we need to do our part, definitely. We can't just sit back and let others take care of us and, and say, oh, you know, thank Thank God, I'm a lazy person not doing anything, but I'm being taken care of. You know, that's, that's really not the idea here. But we should trust and believe in God, but we should also work and do our part. Now, whatever kind of work that might be or whatever we need to do so that, you know, so that we are supplying for ourselves and not reliant on others. But it would all be through the blessings of God. Everything we do, no matter what we do, is really through God's blessing. It's through Him that we are able to do anything. So we want to strip off these cares and concerns and worries. We want to hand those off to God, hand those off to the Lord and say, Look, I'm going to do what I can and then I'm going to trust you for the rest. You know, I you know I need to be able to uh, take care of my family. I need to be able to put food on the table and all that. So I'm going to work a job. I'm going to do what I can do, and then then God, I'm I'm going to trust you to help me with the rest. Whatever else comes up, whatever else I need that is beyond my doing, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust in you. You know, and that's that's the way we should approach it. Okay, so we need to strip that weight off, those concerns, those worries of the world. Then, we have the sin. The sin that so easily and cleverly entangles us because sin is deceptive. And it is, it's kind of a creeper. It sneaks up on you and it just slowly entangles you, you know. It just slowly wraps around you and gets, gets on you. And you may not even realize it, and you may start off perfectly innocent in a good way with things, and then something slowly becomes maybe, maybe it becomes an obsession, and you, you go too far off chasing whatever that is, and it could be any number of things, and it becomes maybe like an idol to you, and you put that in front of, you know, maybe God and your family, or it could be other sins, it could be other things more deceptive than even that, where you're, you know, committing, you know, act secret sin, you know, secret sin, and, and you're just, you know, you're committing these acts that are, uh, you know, are bad for you, that are wrong, but you're doing it anyway, and you're just doing it in secret, and you keep it in secret, and you think no one knows. Well, we need to remember that the Lord is always there. God is always there. They They know what we do. They forgive us, and they love us, but... But God knows, the Lord knows what we're doing. So we need to make sure that we, we take off 
that sin too that we now sometimes we don't know it but when we find out oh that is sin that is something I'm doing that is wrong we need to you know we need to peel that off of us it can be hard it can be difficult it can be painful sometimes but we need to get rid of that and then we can run with endurance and active persistence now notice that we can run with endurance and active persistence Active persistence meaning, in this case, that we're staying in God's Word. We're continually keeping God's Word in front of us. We're praying. We're praising God. We're thanking God. It's very important to be thankful to God. Even if we don't know what else to do or pray for, we can just thank God for all that He does for us and gives us. I mean, every day, we just look around and see the miracle miracle the the wonderful things that we have that are all around us even if you just step outside and see the trees and the the you know the grass and whatever's around you i mean there's just you know just the air everything is uh, is from god it's all a blessing from god so we need to have that endurance and active persistence in this case i think of the endurance as being I mean, it, endurance is is endurance. I mean, you know, that's um, that's uh, um, you know, lasting a long time, staying with something, not letting go, and and that part that's kind of persistence too. Um, trying to think of a better way to describe it. Um, endurance, okay, endurance is continuing without tiring, without stopping, without getting tired. You know, we shouldn't get tired of uh, studying God's Word, of, of praying, of thanking Him, of praising Him. We should not get tired of those things. We could continue. We should continue in those things. Sometimes, even when you don't feel like it, <clears throat> let's just say, for whatever reason, we're human. You're having a down day. Go ahead and continue in that anyway. Continue it even when you don't feel like it. It will help you. And it, it just will. It will help you. And it will help you. Um, a lot of times it will help pull you out of whatever that little funk is. And and we, we get that way. We're human. We get these little down days where maybe we feel a little, a little put upon. Maybe a little sad. Maybe a little down. For any number of different reasons. And some reasons are pretty valid. But nonetheless, if we'll just continue to think of the things that we thank God for and continue to uh, move forward with him and pray and and pray for others and realize that it's not just all about ourselves and uh, and really you know in, in prayer just just even just talk to god just tell him how you're feeling tell him how you're feeling down you're feeling whatever you know the lord understands he's been here he's lived our life he knows and understands so if we talk to him and god the Father, and just let them know. They know anyway. So if you communicate it to him, I mean, it's just it's just somebody that you can talk to, and you know about these things. And I, I believe it helps. I really believe it does. So um, it helps me, and uh, it helps me to get through those times where maybe I'm feeling a little bit that way. All right, and so we want to keep running this race. You know, we want to keep. Keep running this race every day and keep our eyes focused on Jesus, on the Lord, because he is the one that we're following. He is the author and perfecter of faith. He is our example. He's the one 
we are trying to be like. Okay? And we have to remember that He endured the cross for all of us, and He did that willingly because He knew that would what that would do for all of us. So it's just something to remember and to think about. And then He goes to heaven. He went to heaven. And He sits down at the right hand of God. And that shows His authority. And it shows the completion of his work of what he was doing. Now, we did all that. I talked all that long time just on the first two verses. So if that was too long, I apologize. We're going to move on and continue on now. It's just there's a lot here. So verse 3, Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it all in comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 3 is much shorter and simpler, but really brings home a good idea. Just consider and meditate on him, Jesus, who endured so much. He endured so much, um, you know, basically torture and death. Um, so that, you know, if we'll think about him and compare what he went through with our trials, okay, then we will not grow weary and lose heart. We can say, well, wow, I mean, I would say nearly all of us did not go through what the Lord has gone through. You know, we've not been tortured like that. We've not been beaten like that. We've not been mistreated like that. And, you know, if we think about that and compare that, in comparison, our trials are pretty small and petty. And if we'll just try to keep that perspective, which is what the Hebrew writer is getting at here, is trying to keep that perspective, then we will not grow weary and we will not lose heart, which goes back to what he was saying above about, you know, um, keeping our eyes on Jesus and not, you know, not getting uh, and being, having endurance and active persistence, not, not not tiring, not failing, not, well, like he says here, not growing weary and not losing heart. So, again, they say it better here than I do. So, all right, so verse 4, You have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have forgotten the divine word of encouragement which is addressed to you as sons. So here he's going he's gonna to give us this. So here we go. My son, do not make light of the discipline of the Lord, and do not lose heart and give up when you are corrected by him. For the Lord disciplines and corrects those whom he loves, and he punishes every son whom he receives and welcomes to his heart. So here again, we're, we're being taught, you know, we have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood in our striving against sin, you know, Jesus he did more than shed blood. I mean, he was abused much more than that. And we should not forget, I'm going to phrase this for us to use this, we should not forget this divine word of encouragement from God. My son, do not make light of the discipline of the Lord, and do not lose heart and give up when you are corrected by him. For the Lord disciplines and corrects those whom he loves. So, that's just the way things work. And if you think about it, as parents, we do the same. 
Why does God do this? To help us, to prevent us from hurting ourselves. I mean, almost everything is about keeping us from hurting ourselves, keeping us on the right path, doing the right things, so that we will have a better life, both here and with the Lord later in heaven. So everything is really to our benefit. Verse 7, you must submit to correction for the purpose of discipline. God is dealing with you as the, with sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Okay, see, he, he's going down the same path. Um, I'm just going to read this, and let's see if there's anything more. Um, I don't think there's going to be, there may not be anything more I can add is what I'm getting at. So, Okay, so verse 7, you must submit to discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now, if you are exempt from correction and without discipline in which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate children and not sons at all. So right, if, if you're a parent, if your father does not discipline you, does not teach you. Now discipline is teaching, not necessarily punishment. Okay, now there is a difference. Teaching, self-control, is discipline. Now, it can involve punishment sometimes, but discipline is teaching and correction for self-control, okay? It can involve punishment, but it does not necessarily always involve punishment. You can teach a child a lot without punishing them, you know, just teaching them and correcting them. So, all right. <clears throat> but if you don't share in that teaching and correction, then... You know, if you don't have that self-control and you're not taught that self-control, then, you know, then you're really not, you know, you're really not a child of God at all. Because that's, that's the thing. We are taught these things. We do learn these things as we, as we study his word and grow. Verse 9, Moreover, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we submitted and respected them for training us. See, training. Shall we not much more willingly submit to the Father of spirits and live by learning from his discipline? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. There you go. He disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. It's all for our good to teach us better so that we're not hurting ourselves, so that we can be holy as he is holy. We can be like the Lord, like God. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, right standing with God in a lifestyle and attitude that seeks conformity to God's will and purpose. And this is true. Anytime you go through some new training, if you've ever been in the military or anything like that where you go through something like a basic training, oh, that just seems horrible. You have to get through however many weeks that is. It can be anywhere from like 6 to 12 weeks or sometimes more. And then, then sometimes you have technical training and other things, you know, uh, I forget what we called it. Was it a text? Well, doesn't matter. Nonetheless, um... 
once you know sometimes all that training and all that teaching and all that learning and correction it seems sad and painful <laughs> but once you get through it it does give you you know it does it does give you that peaceful fruit it says peaceful fruit of righteousness well you know in an earthly sense the other training that i'm speaking of it does give you that that sense of okay okay i've made it through i belong i'm in right standing with whatever I'm doing like in my case I was in the Air Force so I was like okay so I'm here I've gotten through all this I'm ready I'm ready to get to work I can do my job you know I feel like I belong I guess and like I'm in the right place and like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do well translate that over to all of this through our lives training with God in his word and being disciplined and corrected that is, again, to make sure that we have that peaceful fruit of righteousness, knowing that, hey, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm here. I'm with God. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm, I'm in the right place, which is where we are. We're in the right place. And we're seeking to do right by God. We're seeking conformity to God's will and purpose. So then, strengthen hands that are weak and, and knees that tremble. Cut through and make smooth straight paths for your feet that are safe and go in the right direction, so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather may be healed. So we're trying to improve and strengthen ourselves and correct things that are wrong with ourselves like spiritually this is from a spiritual sense if we have something that is wrong with us you know we want to make those necessary corrections and get things in line so that we will be healed now this is more of a spiritual healing than a physical healing but still it applies to a spiritual in a spiritual sense you know we need to strengthen ourselves and uh, Make our paths straight, following God and following the truth, so that any imperfections or anything that's wrong with us can be healed. Continually pursue peace with everyone and the sanctification without which no one will ever see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble, and by, and by it many be defiled. And see to it that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. So we want to make sure that, you know, we don't fall short of God's grace. Now we want to help each other in this. We want to make sure there's no root of resentment. Because it can cause trouble with many people and it can cause much, you know, uh, he calls it by many, you know, many being defiled by it, but... But however you want to think of it, it could affect, negatively affect many people and cause issues. So we don't want to have roots of resentment springing up, um, either in our congregation or just with our friends and our family. It can cause so much trouble. And we don't want to be immoral or godless like Esau, who did not believe or trust God enough. He thought his birthright was worth, you know, less than a single meal. He's like, oh. I just want some food here. You can have it. He doesn't. He didn't appreciate or think or believe and trust God enough to realize how important that was. 
For you know that later on, when he wanted to regain title to his inheritance of the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no opportunity for repentance. There was no way to repair what he had done, no chance to recall the choice he had made, even though he sought for it with bitter tears. And it's true, once that blessing, once that inheritance was passed him, there was nothing he could do. He could not regain it or get it back. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a reflection sometimes of the choices we make in life. We don't want to make rash, godless choices that put us in a position where we've messed something up and we can't go back and repair or fix that or get that back. It's, it's a cautionary thought and tale. For you have not come, as did the Israelites in the wilderness, to a mountain that can be touched into a blazing fire, and to gloom and darkness, and a raging windstorm, and to the blast of a trumpet, and a sound of words, such that those who heard it beg that nothing more be said to them. For they could not bear the command, if even a wild animal touches the mountain, it will be stoned to death. In fact, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am filled with fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels in festive gathering, and to the general assembly and assembly of the firstborn, who are registered as citizens in heaven, and to God, who is judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven, who have been made perfect, bringing them to their final glory, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, uniting God and man, and to the sprinkled blood, blood which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance. So, this is a long stretch contrasting the difference of when they went to Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. So, it's contrasting the difference of you know, going to that mountain and being terrified and afraid, and if anything was on that, any creature even touched the mountain, they were to be stoned, and, you know, it was a very horrific, scary type of situation. And yet, instead, we've been brought more to the heavenly mountain, Mount Zion, and we are have been made citizens of the kingdom. You know, we are righteous, we are redeemed in heaven. You know, we have been brought to the heavenly Jerusalem. We've been brought to the heavenly city. So, we have a much better and nobler, I guess, covenant and message. You know, Jesus is the mediator of our new covenant. We are united with God. You know, not just, um, not just I guess, I guess we are united with God through Jesus more so than the Israelites were who had to, you know, they had to perform certain rites and do, you know, go through certain things, rituals of the law. So, so we are already counted as citizens of heaven. So we're already one step beyond all of that. So, uh, verse 25, See to it that you do not refuse to listen to him who is speaking to you now. For if those sons of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to him who warned them on earth, revealing God's will, 
How much less will we escape if we turn our backs on him who warns from heaven? His voice shook the earth at Mount Sinai then, but now he has given a promise, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the starry heaven. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removal and final transformation of all those things which can be shaken. That is, of that which has been created, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude and offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is indeed a consuming fire. So he says, yet once more. So only once more, I will shake not only the earth, but the starry heaven. And that indicates the final removal or the the removal and final transformation of these things which can be shaken. So the kingdom of heaven cannot be shaken. We are citizens of that kingdom. Therefore, since we receive that kingdom cannot, that cannot be shaken, you know, we should be thankful and grateful to God and we should offer God um, our service. You know, our service, our prayer, our praises, you know, with reverence and awe. So, for our God is a consuming fire, and I think of that in a kind of an odd way. I think of that as a spiritual consuming fire in that in our hearts it consumes us because we are wanting to learn more of God. We want to know more of God. We want to be closer to God. We want to be, we want to truly be His children. We want to be a friend of God. We want to just know and we are yearning and wanting to know more and wanting to seek and learn more about God. So that's how I think of that as a consuming fire. And, and there is a song that I like that goes along with that, but that's how I think about it. Anyway, that is Hebrews chapter 12. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe always. And remember, God loves you.